I am so happy that I can be here to talk about 3D animation because I have done a lot of it. I actually have a separate uh, side job where I just do 3D animation of gay porn. Welcome to the Flick Lab. I'm Corri, a Finn living in Malaga, Spain. I did study media and I work in IT. Hey, hey, Henrik, what do you do? I do practically everything and anything, especially if it pays, which is not this podcast. But your location information is crucial for our listeners, so Anikoski, Jamsenkoski, yep. Anikoski, and Zach, our American friend from Boston. That's right. Heyo. Uh, this is a bi-weekly podcast focusing on international cinema. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Blender animated short films. Blender. Have you done 3D animation? Let's start with Henrik. Some. And when I say some, I truly do mean some. Nothing major. Some uh, few, few elements objects for for video game projects and some alternate reality like uh, rg artistic pieces like i did do this ar sculpture which was a combination of a physical sculpture and a blender made 3d sculpture and there was like a qr code that binds the two together and then there are trees and, and rocks and other like video game elements. Never done any actual animation outside of like a rock falling, but not not character animation and not done actually character modeling with Blender outside of like AR sculpting. Zach. I am so happy that I can be here to talk about 3D animation because I have done a lot of it. I actually have a separate uh, side job where I just do 3D animation of gay porn. Uh, I take all of your favorite characters and I just throw them together. Like, who do you want to see do who? I can make it work. Just kidding. No, I've never touched 3D animation. But wouldn't that be fun, Shame. though? That that sounds like kinky. <laughs> it it, it so, sounds kind of like already stuffed market. <laughs> Maybe, but what if he could say, like, I'm going to take Gaston and the Beast and have him do it? Mm. The question is, is the Beast in Beast form or human form? I, I would say do it do it as a, as a public free-for-all license mm. and release it on some hentai pages, or otherwise you are going to get, get a hell of a time from that one goddamn mouse. I mean, it is a public service, for sure. It benefits the public to have these things out there. Well, you know, our, our Patreon has been lagging on some, some Patreon content. So there's a venue. We should actually stuff it with uh, all kinds of indecent material or, or see as far as we can push it. How, how far can we push it within Patreon? I actually I mean... would be okay with us <laughs> stuffing, stuffing our Patreon account with, with homoerotica. I mean, why, why don't we just go ahead and start in OnlyFans? Who's performing? I vote Henrik. Well, we could use, we, since, since 
OnlyFans is actually starting to block. It's it starting to block the, the erotic content from, from its servers and, and, and the service itself. We could actually take the erotic content to Patreon because most likely those buggers still are not up to up on the uptake. As far as I know, OnlyFans announced that they're gonna remove the erotic app and then they then that backfired and then they said like, oh, we're not gonna do it anyway. Well, yeah, they got a it. lot of pushback. Yeah, well, surprise, surprise, it backfired. Like 90% of your content is erotic. <laughs> exactly, you're going to lose 90% of your income. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we keep pushing episodes and still we are like 90% not accepted. I, I still maintain, you know, erotic to our Patreon page. <laughs> well, H- Henrik, we <laughs> want to set up, the, set up that webcam, turn on some sexy music and go for it. Well, when it comes to, you know, actually performing and showing some real-life erotica, well, that's going to fall on you and Kari with, with my hideous figure. But when it comes to actual erotic fan art, which we could also do... Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, where were we? So... Blender. <laughs> <laughs> In gay erotica, God damn it! follow the conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, I had this weird tangent going on. I was thinking of talking about what I've been doing with 3D, but maybe that's not as interesting as gay erotica. Uh, but yeah, I was in vocational school and I was studying media there. And of course, included was the lessons for 3D. And there I have been using a plethora of, of, of applications. Well, plethora being at least two, um, Maya and what's the other one? Three, 3C... Fucking, no, that's the phone call application, 3CX. Never mind. So obviously this episode is going to <laughs> some expertise. Like, we know our shit. <laughs> what did I learn? I animated a couple of balls moving from one room to the other, and it would come behind a moving door, and the door would open and close. Whoa. Putting some textures and stuff. So uh, you animated moving balls. Moving balls. That's so we again, already have the erotica. Pretty much covered. <laughs> and I did also animate a moving car. Although I did just steal the entire map from somebody else, but that, that doesn't matter. You can I, just uh, any, animate a car that has balls. <laughs> <laughs> that can be the Patreon page content. We're going to talk about Blender, which I have never properly used. I have installed it a couple of times on my PC and then been like, yeah, okay, uh, I can't make anything happen with my keyboard. Uh, this learning curve seems steep. Yep, nope. But okay, what is a Blender, Henrik? Blender is is a free, mostly free, uh, open source 3D animation program, which is widely used in varied of, of audiovisual projects. Most likely you have seen or you have played games that have been using Blender um, as a tool to animate the 3D models, even though it's not the only program. And also, like AAA productions, you easily tend to also use other 3D modeling programs, not just Blender. But most likely, if you if you played video games, at least like like du- during the last 20 years, you have met a game that has been using Blender. You got it all wrong, Henrik. A blender is a kitchen and laboratory appliance used to mix, crush, puree, and emulsify <laughs> food and other substances. <laughs> Fucking good one. I'll give you that. Yeah. Oh, okay, Blender, the 3D company, was founded by a Dutchman called Don Rosendahl. 
And you see him as a producer in most of these films that we're going to talk about today. Studied industrial design and wanted to be an architect and then just happened to get into the 3D world. He did some development on the Amiga in 85. Then he bought a silicon graphics computer in the early 90s for a 60k USD. Blender's first version emerged in 94. And there were actually investors interested in this software. And then they came and then they went during the late 90s internet boom when the interest was going towards internet instead of 3D animation. But in the early 2000s, something started to happen. In 2002 or 2003, Blender went under GNU GPL or GNU GPL license. So entirely open source, ready for everybody to remix, edit and uh, research in the source code. So there were no competitors of this kind. There were no free functional 3D modelers or animation software available. So that is why I think Blender persevered while many other projects died. Rosendahl, the dude who created Blender, he said that money is a means, but it's not interesting to Rosendahl, he at least claims. So that's why he gave Blender for free, because his real satisfaction, he says, is making something. I guess that excludes money, apparently. But no, not really, because of course there are subscription options to the Blender Cloud and uh, there are different revenues that they obviously have to run the Blender Institute and the, the Blender Foundation. The software itself, it, it wasn't quite there like 15 years ago, but today it's seen as like a viable competitor for uh, 3DS Max and Maya from Autodesk and Cinema 4D. So yeah, it's been a long road. Any other thoughts or so shall we jump into the films, which we have 16? Let's jump in. Mm. Well, maybe let's go in the chronology. Elephant's Dream in 2006 started this open film phenomena, so to speak. So Elephant's Dream, we need to kind of try to unpack what, what this is. It, the, the name itself, the title refers to a Dutch tradition where parents might abruptly end children's bedtime stories with the introduction of a sneezing elephant. I've no idea what that actually means. But they actually start sneezing like elephants? Weird. But yeah, it's about a machine that could destroy both of our lead characters if one wrong move is made. Or so the elderly man claims. Your thoughts? Well, this is the first one that comes from the Blender Foundation's lineup of films, which covers most, that mostly covers today's lineup mm -hmm. in in our episode, even though not every single film. There are a couple of, couple of shorts that are being released outside of Blender Foundation's, like, movie project. Elephant's Dream is quite an interesting opening, for, for your foundation's film project, seeing how it's a it's a story that or it's a movie that doesn't really have that cohesive story. It's mostly abstract. It's a, and and a certain type of thought piece, in my opinion. It's kind of a combination of of David Cronenberg, David Lynch, with what I would say pretty heavy dash of of Wes Anderson also, to a point where the old man actually has 
a number of physical similarities to Wes Anderson. So it's a very much kind of a, it's it's more of a feeling than it's any kind of a cohesive story. And in in that front, it's an interesting that this was the opening piece for Blender Foundation's movie project because one would think that your first your your opening movie would be something more traditional something that is more easy to follow and something that's kind of altogether more co- more cohesive experience since one would think that you would be lacking on the script writing department and take an easy road there and basically the only thing you would be putting your effort would be the te- technical limitations and the technical boundaries and to make it technically as good as it can be and that's something that actually does happen in Elephant's Dream also like you can see that this is very much a short film that puts heavy emphasis on the technicalities and the technical possibilities of of Blender 3D animation but it's it's not it's it's very heavy to actually sit through even though it's it's short, it's a short film, but it's not actually bad. Kind of a hallucinatory 3D animation short movie. Okay, I have some thoughts on that. But does Zach wanna chime in? Yeah, I'm 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 in the boat with Henrik here. I didn't get this <laughs> short film. I was not a fan. Knowing that it was the first, also. Yeah, it's it's bewildering that you wouldn't want your first to be maybe a little more accessible. Mm. But this felt more like, uh, can we do this? Like, technically, can we do this? And that's where all the focus was, of just starting and finishing this from a technical perspective. And any sort of story or narrative took a secondary role. And especially since some of the ones that that we're going to talk about later are just so well done. Uh, This one just falls at the bottom of the rank for me. Okay. I admit that I did some reading about people's ideas and what the director said about it. So this will obviously reflect on what I kind of think about it and how I kind of built on that. Those thoughts. uh, So the the director, Kurdali, said that the story doesn't say that creating ideas is bad, just hints that it is better to share ideas than force them on others, end quote. So I think that kind of fits nicely with the whole GPL ethos. Like it's like a mission statement or can be like you can't you can't force a workflow or setup or software on people when you are on under the GPL. So you more like share ideas than force them on others like he actually said. So it's not entirely I, w- I wouldn't call it a political film uh, but maybe somebody could use that tag too so as i see it it's it's about this guy who has an idea about something and, and has, is trying to kind of force it on the other person but the other person doesn't buy it and he's always looking into other directions and most of the time it seems that uh the younger guy what's his name emo he is not registering what is happening around him so it's like we're inside the the build world of frog the older guy and he tries to convince emo that this is actually happening right now so it's like a war of ideas no i don't i don't like your idea or i don't accept your idea your idea is not viable your idea is not not reality i don't accept what happens in the end well emo gets knocked out so almost like a 
totalitarian situation by the end. You believe me or you can go to hell. And it's also kind of a matrix, very matrix influenced in a way how at least I get that vibe when I look at the architecture of the buildings and the, the cables and stuff. Did you get that feel? I didn't actually connect with the director's statement or I didn't find his ethos from the film. The whole point that the movie is supposed to be about discussion about the ownership of ideas and how you should communicate your ideas to others. On that front, I think the film itself actually somewhat fails to, to convey its idea to the audience. Mm. And this might be something that might tie into something that director also said about how he wants that the movie would be like a quote-unquote open movie. Something that doesn't make complete sense to anyone so that everyone can come up with their own interpretation of what actually is happening and have like this share of share of communication, share of ideas, what just went on in the film. Which, yeah, yeah, does tie in with the mission statement. Have an idea and communicate it to others. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel that this one did not really manage to be clear about what it wanted to say. It kind of lost the whole point that the director was trying to make beneath all the the dreamlike elements. And some might even say the nonsensical elements of the film. The, the aesthetic of the sort of sets... I, I didn't get matrixy from that. I actually got a little more H.R. Geiger out of that. Well, but I think I think probably H.R. Geiger has influenced so many things over the last thirty years. Um, yeah, so I, maybe it could be a little matrixy. Yeah, maybe I mean more in the terms that this is this is like a two human beings inside a machine, and the the machine is out to get them. But there's this one scene where they go with this whatever this is this capsule and they go through these these doors and it kind of flies through that and that felt like some kind of a cylinder from matrix or something but but yeah anyway they are running from the machines and the reality is confusing and this will repeat in at least one or two films that we're going to talk about this uh twisted reality, this, this fantastical nature, and the machines, of course, they're all over these Splendor films. Okay. It, it's al- almost like when you are working with an open source project or open source software, which is supposed to open your hands and open your, open your imagination to basically everything, all of a sudden, the basic concepts that the filmmakers can come up with are really not that open. <laughs> But it's kind of like the director said, you kind of said it previously in the same vein that this is open for interpretation and therefore, since this is an open movie, you can just take all the data files and start rendering and modifying it to your heart's content and make your own interpretation of what Elephant's Dream is. I'm not aware of any of these these uh, remixes or whatever you should call them. Well, whoever's going to do it and do it well, it's going to take a hell of a lot of resources still open or not yeah that's something that actually ties in with today's films like we talk about a lot about how blender is is free and open source for everybody 
and how these are in the short films. And most likely that or what that can give as an as an image to our listeners is a film project that is done by one guy in, in his living room on his free time. Just this one dude who uses the open source software and creates an animated short film from that. And that really is not the case with with today's movies. No. Like the, these are pretty big productions where uh, sometimes there is something like 60 to 80 people working on the movie, which is something like max 15 minutes in its runtime. Right. The amount of tech or software that is being used for even just this film. Dr. Queuing, Scape She's Shore, Twisted Verse, Cinepaint, Gimp, Open, EXR, Reactor, Subversion, Python, Ubuntu, Gnome, and KDE desktops. So that's a lot. I don't know how many people worked on this, but it took 125 days to render it. And the budget was 120k euros. So yeah, not for Mama's Boy in the cellar. No, no. And that is is perhaps a, even a bit unfortunate uh, presentation-wise. Because Mama's Boys in in the cellars, they also actually managed to do pretty damn good complex 3D animated short films. And be, just because of that, I, I do think that it's, it's important for us to establish that today's lineup that we are going to talk about, it's not formed by those one-man projects, which I do also think that kinda, kinda help, helps to put the, these films into some type of order based on the quality of, of the movies. It's kinda... We are reaching the point where the lone mama's boy in, in the basement can make such of a good film using years of his time that when it comes to the short, uh, shortcomings of, of a short movie project that is done by like 80 persons at, at max or is, is done as a, as a massive group undertaking, it, you start to get a bit more harsher towards the, the group, group-made movies. Especially since you can act, take those those movies these days and just compare them to the one-man projects. Right. But yeah, so all, all the movies, of course, as they're open, they are available on YouTube and, yeah, free to view and free to modify, etc. So go on YouTube and check them out. And also because of this lovely license of GPL, we are able to play some background material from these films in this podcast. Woohoo! For once, there won't be big studios on our arses. But yeah, also nothing against uh, the Lone Mama's Boys. I actually use a lot of software made by Lone Mama's Boys, so thank you for those. Would it be Big Buck Bunny? Oh, Big Buck Bunny. Yeah, Zach. I have to say, it was very difficult to watch this. Yeah? Because I kept thinking about <laughs> see, see, that's the effect that art can have it to. <laughs> For those of you who are unaware, that is a callback to the um, the Christmas film that Henrik forced us to watch. Yeah, it's good that you explained that. So it was very difficult for me to get through this because he even has like he's sort of big. And he's got the same sort of shape. 
And I just, even though he sort of got a happy face, I was waiting for it to turn. I was waiting for this to turn into a horror film. <laughs> so it wasn't a fan. Thank you, Henrik, for ruining it. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's the mark of a good art that it leaves an effect. <laughs> Uh, it's it's the mark of of some kind of art. I don't know if I would say of good art. I mean, 120 Days of Sodom by the Marquis de Sade, is that technically good art? No. Well, when at least when it comes to Pasolini's film version, a lot of people champion that movie. I feel like you guys are aching to get to your holidays because we can't stay on topic anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a long year. <sighs> okay, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Buck Bunny. Yeah, yeah, as, as Zach already made, made the comparison to, to our Christmas episode and the movie Bunny the Killer thing, something also to take note is that the bullies in, in Big Buck Bunny also are pussies. So there, there's also that, that level. Yeah, but actually it's a little bit more violent than you would expect from a sweet cartoony movie like this. And this is a I thing actually was was hoping that it would have gotten more violent. I, I was actually you, hoping he... that it would do bloody something. I must confess already, this is like the bottom of my list. Well, it's not Happy Tree, friends, but uh, it's still killing of innocent butterflies. And it will get some more interesting levels later. I mean, when he starts putting the the black stuff under his eye, like he's preparing for war and he's got the bow and arrow, I was like, oh, here we go. Here comes like the pussy moment. <laughs> As a plot twist, it turns out that it's kind of like Happy Tree Friends, except the film itself is a pussy. We should totally mm. watch all the 200 Happy Tree Friends in this podcast. It would actually be better viewing than, than Big Buck Bunny. <laughs> because when it comes to Big Buck, uh, Buck Bunny... There really, really is is not that much violence in it. Two butterflies get killed. One of them, one of the kills, which happens off screen, like the actual kill, but that's that's pretty effective one. I give it that much. I, I was just constantly waiting. When, when is this one going to get violent? Especially since there, there's that whole, whole like, like tree spike trap and fucking nothing comes out of any of that bunny makes arrows doesn't kill anyone there's that spike trap doesn't hit anyone and all together all together i kind of just i really didn't get into this one yeah i think if if this film would have been made in the states i would think that maybe some cultural behavior would make this film even more soft than it is in the nl hands netherlands hands uh, but I, I think that now that we are going deeper and deeper into this open source source stuff, I, I think that it's great that we, well, it, it kind of, I, I think in these films you can see that since, well, first of all, you're working for, for Blender and your hands are kind of free, you can do almost anything you wa- you want, I guess. It's not like a big Disney Pixar project where you have to plan everything to the second. You can You can show this, but you can't show that. Here it's more more freedom in that sense as well. And I think um, the films benefit a lot from that, but I, I think these are more honest films than many Disney Pixar films. I don't know about that because I then also, I, I on my end, I didn't see these movies really like going any boundaries with that freedom. Yeah, well, this in is fact, a bad example. Well, I 
think that none of these films actually does that. God damn it. No, not truly. In, in fact, it w- it's surprising to see exactly how much the all of these films somehow, more or not, they stick to actually previously established tropes and ways of, of conveying characters and conveying story. Like, you see a hell of a lot already seen narrative elements in these movies. Big Buck Bunny, now, since it's the, the film at hand, works as a pretty damn good example of this. The, the story uh, revolves around four characters. There's the titular, Big Buck Bunny, uh, who is uh, happy-go-lucky, perhaps somewhat slow on the uptake, appreciates nature, wants to be happy, wants to see everybody else being happy. And then there are three bullies who are dicks because Stephen King bullies are always over the top. That's basically what, what the, the scenario here. The bunny has to face off Stephen King bullies. And from that already pretty well used narrative framework, what you get then is, well... Tell me, guys, have you ever seen the Rambo montage? No. No. You haven't? No. No. You, you are shitting me. Okay, no. well, in that case, you, you got the first-hand experience. I have seen this. I'm, I'm putting black camouflage coloring underneath my eyes. I'm crafting the, the arrows and shit. I'm laying the, the fucking woodsy traps here. Stunt being done like... Well, even bloody hot shots too did that one. So... Yeah, but very much using something that has been established pretty damn thoroughly already years before the film itself came out. Well, Henrik, you are kind of a, like a box of great ideas because we already have the pieces here. We just have to collect them and put them together. We could be a great team. Let's build a fucking animation company. Besides, Zag has some experience. We could just call Don Rosendahl, go to Blender Institute and suggest that, hey, we're going to take it to the next level, guys. No more of any any of this Big Buck Bunny nature shit. We're just going to do some gay erotica animation from now on. Well, that would be actually pushing both both the artistic limit and also the technological limit of Blender. Yep. I'm game. Yeah? Okay, yeah. Well, thank you Same. for joining us on the Flick Lab, and we'll see you never again. <laughs> Until then. <laughs> well, what? Yeah, we finally found a work that will pay out. <laughs> All right. So, um, well, I, I appreciated in this film kind of the, the, what did I appreciate actually? Well, there are yeah, beautiful- that's a good question. <laughs> there are some crudely animated moments. For example, there is this kind of a, I don't know what animal it even is. It's the least intimidating character in the film. Anyway, uh, his eyes seem to be kind of smudgy. Like it's kind of, it seems like, sorry guys, lazy animation. When the eyes are rolling, you can just see how the area around the eyes are kind of used with a smudge tool, like pulled back and forth. And that looked terrible. But otherwise, I mean, these are pretty cool characters. Well done characters. I don't agree with that. Yes. Yeah, I actually felt that this was pretty shittily animated altogether. Whoa. It's the, the, the whole world that the. the film uses it's animated very simplistically and uses very simplistic elements the the arrows and and the spike traps all of that jazz also modeled 
pretty simplistically. The characters are pretty simplistic. Yeah, but let's also take into discussion that many of these films, if not kind of all, well, talking about the Blender Foundation Institute films, these are made very much to kind of showcase the, the ability of Blender, first of all, and secondly, if not kind of firstly, is that they are able to build new features as they go along. Like in the Elephant Stream, they found out a lot of elements or, or kind of tools that they need for making this film happen. So they introduced a lot of big updates to Blender and that happens with all of these movies. So it, yeah, it's of course, this is an old film. This is from 2008. Uh, this was made for improving at least the, the kind of fur animation. Well, I can say that from the Big Buck Bunny's fur, wow, that that could have been more detailed. It, it's pretty blurry. I don't know if it's because of this, the layering that takes place in the final stages, you know, before they start uh, rendering it and they, they put the denoise filter there. And I don't know if that had something to do with it. But anyway, it doesn't look very detailed, that fur, does it? I actually thought that the fur, when it comes to down to it, was actually one of the better animated elements of the movie. Yeah, we can't agree on anything. God. Uh, <laughs> but no. Like, um, one of the... One of the big hang-ups that I did have with with Bitbuck Bunny animation-wise was that there really was not that many animated elements on screen in any given moment. And also the characters themselves were kind of animated very caricaturistically, which is a one good way to cut corners when it comes to, you know, seeing the effort and putting the effort into your your 3D model creation. Yeah. Like, you mentioned that th this is an old film. Yes, it is. It's from 2008. Elephant's Dream is, is even older. It's from 2006, and Elephant's Dream had more complex animation and more animated stuff going on on screen than Big Buck Bunny. Yeah. Okay, final mention for this movie. I did appreciate the, the crudely interrupted moments that turned kind of into animation parody, like the bird getting thrown with things all the time when you least expect, expect there's these beautiful moments when, you, when we see the butterflies and, and the big bug bunny is in awe. Look at that butterfly and then something comes and kills the butterfly. Of course, nothing particularly original, kind of Ice Age direction, which I always appreciate. So, But you don't. Okay, the next Sintel from 2010, which is once again it's it's 2010. It's two years older than Big Buck Bunny, and also more better animated. Yeah, thoughts. Well, Sintel actually is is from the more interesting end, at least in my opinion, of of today's animated shorts. It's not once again it's not super original. Basically, it revolves around. A lady who finds an unwounded cop dragon and nurtures the dragon back to health and then loses the dragon and has to do the whole quest thing to find the dragon again. But when it comes to uh, actually being about something, even though Sintel is, is not making any new grandiose statements, but I did find the, the whole, whole pondering on when it comes to the right to parenthood. Who who has the right to be a parent to something? And mm. also perhaps is is 
a biological parent more valuable than an adaptive parent? That whole whole discussion, see, seeing how Sintel, the story in the end revolves around speciesism, was something that I actually found quite interesting, and I did appreciate the film tackling it. I also kind of like the the downer ending that the movie had. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good point. I I made some notes about the same thing that it's kind of the the stupid human cocks it up again. The film on the on the first watch you see this this sage. I see Final Fantasy esque fight scenes when there's this fight in the snow and a, and a lot of animation cliches, of course. But that, that's okay. But it also got some fair amount of criticism for it. You then wonder if this will makes sense in the end and it, it yeah it's, it's this downer moment but it kind of doesn't make sense so our heroine she goes on the several year expedition to locate this one dragon and and the the thought never occurred to her somehow that the dragon might have grown up and this felt kind of awkward and uncomfortable of course it's not like it's leaving there then then we have the baby dragon who follows her and it's kind of like the let's say redemption moment that she will get her redemption for this for this dragon uh, whatever it was which called which is something that i did not appreciate on the other hand mm. you also see these flowers which is they are kind of starting to open it's spring apparently the flowers i missed them in the beginning apparently they're also in the beginning but in the end you see the flower almost kind of opening yeah i kind of I, I, on my end, I did like the the whole thing that the main heroine does not understand that years has has passed. I do think that it's... I, I took it that it was pretty... Well, it, it wasn't like big brain smart moment or take, but for a few minutes short film, it, it was pretty pretty smart take on the, the whole concept of, of an heroic quest. Which is is something that is a staple in in fantasy genres. Something happens, the hero has to take the quest in order to to fix what has been broken in some way, and that stories focus on on the quest aspect and what what happens in in the quest action wise, like who who the hero fights, where does he travel, etc. 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 And with that whole quest aspect, of the, there's also the whole concept of time that usually goes in the background of the quest, but the stories don't pay that much attention to the whole whole time time span thing. Even though when you stop and think about it, if you would take a quest of, of this nature, of course years would pass. And the, the whole notion that since you are the one taking the quest, since you are the one traveling and doing the fighting, you're so focused on on the end goal and you're so focused on on the trials that you have to go through momentarily that you lose the aspect of of the passing time. And then when you finally reach your end, that's the moment when you have to have the like the the, the crash realization that oh my god, I just wasted. Five years, ten years, fifteen years on simply on my hang up. I have to do this one quest, and it seems dumb. I actually really like that one, but I kind of did like that kind of detail that we see her also now 
as an older person. Maybe she just kind of kind of hasn't realized that yet. Or yeah, it's a movie magic, movie magic. Yeah, she hasn't realized that because the only thing he she has been thinking about is the quest and and finding and fighting the dragon. Did you notice or did you kind of register that it was another dragon that grabbed the dragon in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. When 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 the crap happens. Yeah, because I wasn't sure. Like, is this another uh, species or something? Is this gonna be like food for this or what's the what's the whole deal? Yeah. Okay. To to me, it was like I said. It's it's the question of a biological parenting. The scales, which is the baby dra- dragon and the big dragon, they are the, of the same species. So the big dragon is biologically more in tune to to nurture and be a parent to the to scales. Mm-hmm. The baby dragon, and that is contrasted against the the loving and and caring and nurturing adoptive parenthood, which is what what Sintel presents. Yeah, so far we we've been only talking about the Blender Institute films, uh, and in this case, the improvements that were made in the Blender were related to user interface, particle system sculpting, shading, render pipeline constraints, smoke simulation, so. All kinds of fancy things for nerds out there. This had a considerably larger budget, 400,000 euros. And you can kind of see it. It's more detailed. I'm not wild on the design of the of the dragon. It looks... A, it. I'm going to say something bad. <laughs> you know the Mortal Kombat film? Not the one that just came out, but the one from the 90s? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's got some really, really bad animation in it there's some parts of it that remind me of that wow and some parts of it that i think are really well done i i wasn't nearly as hostile towards the animation here in zintel yeah some of it not all of it there's some of it that looks that bad some of it looks better all right there was actually a video game that was based on this short film uh, it, i think it was just called zintel the game it's available available for all the major platforms and it's using the Blender game engine. Alrighty, alrighty. Tears of Steel from 2012. Henrik. Well, for me, it was one of the most interesting films from the lineup. I thought so. It's going to be completely opposite for me. Yeah. I I, I saw it that this was the one that kind of took the, the whole idea of what you can do with Blender and perhaps pushed it the furthest outside uh, with with the other short film we are going to talk about drink i did find that the, the whole idea that the main idea of the film technicality wise is that it it combines a live action it's a live action movie that uses blender uh, to house the cgi elements yeah and when it comes to the possibilities what you can do with blender i think that that's pretty good statement exactly how far in in a professional product wise you can actually work and you utilize blender in your in your projects that is true when it comes to to the story of of the film tears of steel aka oh my god i didn't even notice that derek derint was still alive it's 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 kind of it, it's halfway there. It's halfway there. I I I did like like the action movie 
main versus machine, sci-fi, shooty shooty, bang bang, action film, elements or, or, or quality of the movie. And the idea that the main character kind of goes into this virtual reality conversation with the machine AI, and that there's like a whole organization that tries to script write the correct words into our main hero's mouth. Okay, yeah, I was on board with that, but what really, really didn't work for me is that the, when, when it comes down to it, the story itself is some old bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so recycled, but they're in the future and they they simulate the past in order to to fix the past or something like that and we see in the beginning that there's this quote this is pretty freaky yeah why is the separated brain on the lab table <laughs> like it kind of seems to suggest that the lady her brain would be on the operating table and they're trying to implant new memories into her memory of the past but why it's called I, I Inception. It that, I, I took it that it was her brain and they were, it was on the table so that they, there was still some way how they could like talk to the lady because the lady itself is like a, like a huge hulking metal beast at that moment and can't speak no more. I, I have a suggestion, just midsummer, open a few beers and grill the brain, problem solved. No more computer animated baddies. Yeah... Yeah, that would have been an easier solution to the problem. Also, also that the whole, whole kind of, kind of end note of the film that, like, where the fucking Skynet happens because boy, femoid, broken heart. <laughs> right. And so the world ended because boy broke girl's heart. Oh my. Yeah. I guess yeah, it yeah. really happened in the end. Well, it's kind of left open ended. What this the. What is the intention of these robots who are now surrounding the couple? I I I took it like, like as you mentioned, it's it's a left open ended. But the, after the credit scene, seems to state out that the robots robots then shut down. Yeah. Collectively, all of them. Or so the- that moment would be some type of the pack, the the, the robot pack coming together in a sign of acceptance of the main hero, the boy, Derek Delint, and through him the humanity all together. Yeah. Because the the lady decided to be a comic book supervillain who is Skynet, simply because, you know, Broken Heart, something like 50 years ago. Oh my god, there's a new Terminator movie. Yeah, but for this is not very good criticism of any kind, but let me just put it out there that robot movies are a bit uninteresting for me, save for a few exceptions like the Terminator, if you call them robots. But yeah, it's kind of the tech show off aspect that doesn't work for me so well. All this, this, this kind of transformer style approach of show off with the machines. But of course, it, it's a tech show off. That's what the film is all about and tech showcase for blender like all of these movies so far now some of my favorite movies are robot movies okay i like the first two terminators robocop, robocop one some of my best friends are robots transformer films we're robots for you zach yeah some of my best friends are robots i have nothing against them <laughs>
Like your co-hosts basically are just, you know, speak bots. <laughs> so, Zach, your thoughts? I did appreciate the leap of now trying to integrate live action with the 3D animation. And it, it I think we're, I mean, this is from 2013. I think had I seen this in 2013, my brains would be on the ceiling. But sadly, it's eight years later. It, it it still doesn't quite hold up, and yeah, the story is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Oh, uh, the the woman got too emotional, and now she's destroying everything because she got her heart <laughs> broken by a boy. Right, and what does it mean? Like, how, how does that memory override work exactly? If he's talking to her in future terms, as in, I was a dick, huh? Don't don't ask these questions, Kari. Sorry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That the filmmakers didn't ask these questions. Yeah. And it didn't work previously. What are you doing? The, the boy just said the wrong lines. Hmm. Like, I, I guess this is the only time... I don't know how many times they have already tried to pull this this one off. I don't even, even completely understand what was the hang-up. Like, why is this a special operation that you can... Like, like I, I took it that they have tried this repeatedly throughout the years like this has been a long operation there has been x number of amounts but i didn't understand exactly why they can't just have a retry of pulling this stunt off like every day seven days a week yeah because this was a test for camera tracking rotoscoping compositing and color grading all right would it be the next one no okay (laughs) what is the next one Caminandes, Yama Drama, from 2013, directed by Pablo Vazquez, from Argentina. Your thoughts? I wasn't the biggest fan. I was a super big fan. This yeah. was so much fun. <laughs> Great sense of humor. I love it. I love this character, and I love the sense of humor. Puts the hoof on the road, and then the car sounds come and go. Love it. I, it, it was, once again, it's, it's a shared problem that I, I already raised with Big Buck Bunny. Like, that the main comedic element of the short film is ac- actually one of the most used comic elements that you have in comedy films. That there's something that is stable, or, or stays in, in a stable state. Ma- main character touches or looks or does something, and it immediately accelerates. This basically... A rework around of if you, for example, have have seen the the Austin Powers, the first Austin Powers movie movie sketch where where Austin is taking a leak and and the the automated process lady voice is trying to uh, to make the statement that uh, what was it evacuation complete it it was something complete and and it's gets constantly interrupted because Austin just continues continues taking a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought this was just when I when I first time watched it it was hilarious and just so simple and excellent comedic timing and very minimalistic. Tell us the story. Yeah, I I don't think that this is again, I I, w- I if I could speak to the filmmakers I would ask what was your goal? Was your goal just can you get your team together to make it? Or were you really trying to tell tell something? Because it's just because it's so light on story, it just seems like I mean this might be something that someone maybe doing in their first 
venture into 3D animation did, just to say, like, can I just put something together that makes sense, but really, it's just does it look good? Because uh, I think it looks fine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just very light on the story, very simplistic. Uh, yeah, very much like the Austin Powers gag. Did you notice that there's two sequels for this? Did you check them out? They are they're a lot of fun as well. Recommended. I took notice, but I didn't check them out. Yeah, I, same. A strong ice age vibe from from these these llama films. So appreciate. Oh it. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, and ice age movies also kind of suck ass. Well, they are kind of a mixed bag, aren't they? Yeah, they they are mixed bag. The first one isn't terrible. Even though the plot elements are something that if, if you've ever seen a Disney movie, you've seen the plot elements. Yeah, the problem with the Ice Age is maybe that, that the first two minutes are the funniest. When they do something like llama drama here, and then the rest is like... Uh. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Would it be Cosmos Laundromat 2015? This is the first one I, I watched. And... Right. It... There's something about it. I, it's hard for me to put my finger on it, but it's something that sort of stirs me inside. <laughs> and I waited a couple of days and I went back and watched it again. In fact, I showed my husband this one because I thought, no, oh, this is, I'd love to see what he thought of this. And yeah, it's beautiful. I think the animation is spectacular. The sort of main character, the ginger, uh, I think the voice acting is spectacular. He, I think there's immediately a sense of of warmth uh, from him. While I admit I don't totally understand the idea of him suddenly becoming a, a caterpillar uh, at the end. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I mean, I understand if they're going to go for this whole reincarnation thing, but I, I, I didn't get that connection of... Anyway, but I love the end of you're at some laundromat and then he just sort of gets in and out of all these different washing machines. It feels reminiscent of the end of men in black, the very, 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 very end where the camera pulls back from them in New York and you see Manhattan Island and then you see the, the North America, the earth, the Mil- the Milky way. And then it's really, you're looking at a marble and it's two beings sort of playing marbles with all these different galaxies uh sort of reminded me of that yeah it's not exactly surrealism but let's say yeah it's an absurdist film there might be limits on how much you can start to analyze the story here but yeah there are very strong limits exactly how much you can start to analyze this one and the reason for those limits is the fact that as the film itself makes it poignantly clear this was meant to be some type of an opening for a grander story, this was supposed to be continued, and it never was. Yeah, actually, actually, that's a recurring theme, unfortunately, with these open movies. They're supposed to be some kind of a like jumping platform to some bigger project, which never then takes place. This is one of them. Yeah, and since I, I was, since in in earlier moments, I was kind of up in the arms about that the production crew sizes in in some of these films this one was the one that had like 60 to 80 persons working on it for 18 months full time so when it comes to animation when it comes to technical quality it's no actually wonder that production wise this is such of a high note and and high quality which once again kind of 
makes me to re-ask the question, exactly why did we never get a sequel to this? Why was not the concept of Cosmos Laundromat being taken any further? Right. Even within the confines of this one short film, like why is this so short? Why does the idea stop so abruptly since you had like a full production crew working on the film? Why did you stop here? It, it is weird. Yeah, in 2020, it was announced that the, that this film would then be the total of the project. But it was at least in two occasions, was it, that they announced the, the sequel was starting to get into motion, but nothing. Yeah, they they were planning on sequel. They, if I remember correctly, they were also planning on making like a full-length feature film at some point. And then they just cancelled the project repeatedly. Up until 2020, when, uh, like you mentioned, they stated that this is the end of, of Cosmos Around Romance. And I do think that it hurts the film a hell of a lot. Because since this is something that was meant to be continued, it also means that the ideas were mainly to be presented and handled in the continuation projects. In, in the feature film or, or in the sequel short films or in, in some other form. This is basically just a teaser for mm-hmm. what might be in the future. And it kind of isn't anything except a well done animated short film on its own terms. And it's weird that you use 400k on, on this film and then just quit. Of course I understand it's foundation the money may be limited and even talking about a full feature if this short costs 400k are you really ready to pull the full feature and it seems to be a recurring theme that yeah the full feature never gonna happen yep and that's it really it does bother me with with cosmos laundromat more than with some other projects that that we are going to Check out today because the main idea that I I saw behind Cosmos Laundromat, that the idea that the main character Frank is going through this journey of of rebirth in in different forms of life in in different I don't know worlds, cosmoses, galaxies, wherever that is that he's going, and he is going to have the ginger as some type of a a guide throughout this journey, it's not actually a bad idea. Hitchhikers ginger through the galaxy. Yeah, precisely. And it's it. therefore it's unfortunate that they didn't think that this short film through before they made it. And they were so willing to leave it so open-ended and open altogether. This is, this is a mistake that, for example, Sintel and Tears of Steel didn't do. Like, they still closed their narrative within that one short film, and both stories benefited from that decision. And Cosmos Laundromat, on the other hand, is, sh- is hurting because the film didn't close itself. I made a little bit of a theory of what would happen if we would see the rest of this, or some kind of closure to the story. So the timer is tied around the sheep's neck, and the, the sheep is then able to teleport, as we see, into some kind of a new life as a caterpillar. And there seems to be, like, soap bubbles. So that would go with the whole washing machine thing. 
Uh, anyway, then I'd expect uh, him to be become a butterfly because he's a caterpillar and probably to fly away from the washing machine at some point, like like some kind of a washing liquid brand logo, right? I think they're one, one of them is a <laughs> butterfly. And then get squashed by a flying squirrel, of course. Would be fitting. Well, the film is absurdist, so I'm allowed to be absurdist too. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, still comment on the word fuck. Did it bother you in the film? Because it did bother a lot of famous animation houses. Otherwise, they were very, very praising towards the film. It's surprising that fuck was something that they took a, took a problem with and not the whole idea that our main character Frank is opens the film <laughs> yeah. trying to fucking kill himself. Amen. That... It- Henrik, you that's a I hope you get a Pulitzer Prize just for that comment. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> you know, this is this is just such a a great example of I don't know what you'd call it, different temperaments in mm-hmm. around the world and how yeah, like he's going to kill himself and he's like really dead set on it and that doesn't bother you, but him saying a four-letter word does. Yeah, it's like, amazing. <laughs> Like little kids can go to the theater and they can see some like somebody like chop a head off with blood squirting everywhere and somebody like eating the insides of them, but God forbid you so show some tits. <gasps> I know uh, how terrible is that? Well, it, it can be terrible. Thanks for zombie strippers, Henrik. <laughs> I'm so thankful. That I have not partaken. I, I, I upsold myself with the penis movie. <laughs> okay. Wait, what's the penis movie? Uh, uh, what's the penis movie? <laughs> the Big Bug Bunny for know, adults. Zach, I I may oh. not have shown it to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about my own personal home videos, because that's what I call them. Oh. Uh, but it's... Sh- well, you, you all have some dark clouds in your closets but what, what does that even mean but henrik has this belgian porn porn collection guess we have to cover it sometime in the flick lab fucking a literally literally okay glass half from 2015 do you want to take it i like this one i i like this one um I, i'm a fan of shorts that have no dialogue um because i think it just opens it up to a broader audience and i think sometimes we're too dependent on dialogue, both in uh, shorts and animation and live action and all of that. People just say what they that what they think all the time in, in really bad movies. And I think good filmmaking is we can show you what they're thinking. And this is a great example of that. Uh, also, the fact that art is so subjective, and some people think some people see a giant fucking bunny trying to kill people with a two foot long dick um it's great cinema and some people don't (laughs) (laughs) henrik really traumatized sack i was i i I, there are two movies that we have talked about in our podcast that have stuck with me for weeks and months and that's one of them just wait until someday the movie is going to be endorsed by martin scorsese (laughs) (laughs) to me glass half was somewhat wasted potential I this is this may be some somewhat unfair from my end because this is something that I would have hoped the film to do 
And then obviously the film itself, it has an artistic right to choose what's going to tackle and how it's going to, to do it. It's, it doesn't necessarily have to cater into my preferences and, and my wishes as an, as an audience member. But I, I still felt that with the title Class Half, I was actually hoping that there was, would be some type of a comment on the societal class divide. Because that's that's almost in, in the title. You have glass and you would have glass. So why not? And I was somewhat disappointed that the film then chose to, to focus on making the, the whole point just about the, the differences in taste in art criticism. And the final punchline was like the, the oldest punchline that you have in art criticism comedies, which is that the two art critics that you have can differentiate between a painting and a bloody window. Yeah, Or come on. any other real, real world object that just happens to be in the gallery space. It could have been a, be a fire extinguisher. It could have been a wine glass. Anything, basically the joke still would stay the same. I was with this third guy who is attaching ideas of a blinded duck into every painting. Does he have like a crystal ball? Like, well, it's not going to be in this painting, but, you know, the next one, the window. Weird. He's a goddamn genius. That's who he is. All right. <laughs> now, I, th- I think there's, you know, there's always those, always those people who just, they operate on a different level. You know, I, I mean, we may or may not have one of those people among the three of us. But I mean, if, if we would get a translation of this Sims type of gibberish language, I guess the guy would have come off as a little bit of a weirdo. Like, guys, uh, <clears throat> I appreciate this painting because a duck is gonna splash on it. What? Yeah, anyway, it's kind of cool that this still manages to bring the points across with this Sims type of language. And very clearly with the visualization and the, and the tone of voice only. And you can still follow it perfectly. It's kind of nice. Have either of you ever seen the documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop? Uh, it's about uh, Banksy. No, Un- unfortunately, you, no. I, I've seen the the, the shorter so like street it's a, art documentary, but not Exit Through the Gift Shop. It's uh, done by Banksy. The right, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. It's a rather penetrating look at the art world and. I mean, who knows? This could be a future episode, so I won't really go into it. But uh, I think th- this film has some similarities in terms of what is good art and who determines what good art is. Yeah, another good documentary tackling that subject matter would be My Kid Could Paint That. Mm. But basically, a documentary about, was it a something like 10-year-old little girl? Or was it Jackson Pollock? Yeah, yeah, precisely. If you're interested in that, there's another documentary called Sour Grapes, which is a documentary about the same concept, but in the wine world. Mm. Well, let's get to those food films at some point. It's making me hungry. Yeah. Well, come on, guys. We already check out cannibalism at once. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> what to do with this guy? Give him a free reign over the podcast. <laughs> Do you want to take it on to Agent 327 
Operation Barbershop, 2017 movie. I liked this one. I thought that I thought the music was really excellent. The the music was really really Bondian. Like the immediate the, the first second when it kicks into this brass horns immediately. Yeah. Strongly communicates some kind of a Bondian uh, action is going to take place. It felt very Michael Giacchino. It felt very The Incredibles. Uh, I thought the camera work with the action was was really great. I mean, yeah, I, I liked this one. This one was super fun. It should have been a film. Again. Yeah, yeah this was supposed to be a full film. It never happened. Surprise. Yeah. The, the product that we got, it, essentially, it's a, it's a trailer. Yeah. Or serves that function. It's like one scene yeah. of a movie. Or something that would or, or was meant to become a movie. And I, to me, it, it was actually, once again, it, it was a harming feature when, when watching the short because I kind of couldn't establish what Agent 327 was supposed to be. Yeah. Like but... he, he is a high-tech James Bond guy who is also the Maxwell Smart dear goof who then in the final moments when when like when the fight is going on actually is a capable fighter and once they reach the the Asian triad hired or something like that turns into actually quite smart and capable super spy when he utilizes the, the hairspray and the hair dryer to to manufacture a flamethrower so is he a goof or is he a capable super spy? Uh, there's interesting overlaps here. So first of all, the Agent 327, it's a Dutch uh, comic series by cartoonist Martin Lodewijk. And then again, you can <laughs> see so much. But if you go back to the comic series, yeah, it does look like Rowan Atkinson, seriously, from Johnny English. But interestingly, the character of Agent 327 predates Johnny English. But who knows, maybe English was in part inspired by 327? I doubt it, but it's some Dutch thing only. But anyway, there are similarities that are striking. Don't you think? Looks like Roman Atkinson. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. And this is something that perhaps I I would have been more okay, or if, if the, the short film or the trailer would have been easier for me to approach. Had I actually seen the trouble of reading the comics before watching the trailer, I didn't read them at all, which means that I have no actual concept of what Agent 327 is in the end, or what he actually is. I The, the only material that I have to go with is simply the trailer, which showcases you two different uh, agents, the, the goof, and the capable super spy. Unfortunately, I'm kind of maybe surprising that if this is some kind of a famous Dutch comic series that you'd think there would be more backing to the film to be made. But yeah, something again happened. I checked out the website and the website says it's offline. It doesn't exist at all. Too bad. Next one? Sure. Well, this is really short and sweet. The Daily Dweebs from 2017. Zach. I, I give you short. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I'll give you a short response as well. Uh, I didn't like it or get it. 
David yeah. Weeps offers somewhat funny insight into the whole question exactly how do other countries see America? Seeing how Daily Tweeps is supposed to take place in some type of depiction of 1950s American suburbia. Right. So what 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 you get in in American suburbia I'm not completely sure exactly where Daily Tweeps was done. Like what country? Where where do the filmmakers come from? Mm, at least it's once again produced by Blender, but I don't know about the creators. Yeah, I I did manage to find the uh, some of the creators, and th- those notes made the mention that were they born in in Brussels and raised in Costa Rica. There really is not that much information that I managed to find on daily tweets. Yeah, and once again, yeah, you can't even tell. Not really, unless you're looking at the bike in the background or something, that this is supposed to be 1950s American suburbia. And you have to go read it that it's about 1950s American suburbia. And Yup. And yeah, this is once again one of those cases where it was supposed to be some kind of a series, but nothing, as far as I can see, nothing came of it. And this one also is very strongly hurting from the fact that nothing came out of it. Because Daily Tweeps also... It, it struggles to form its own identity and to communicate to audiences what it actually is about. Like, go, going with what we have here, Dwayne Tweeps is about some type of mutant sausage dog that has a brain damage that <laughs> exists in, in nowhere unless you do the reading and find out that it's supposed to be America. But nothing connects to any type of a depiction of America that would be based on any reality that we did have. And yep. then it's just like, I don't know, shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for a filmmaker trying to tell a moral or, you know, tell a story by really telling another story. I'm cool with that. You got to make those things clear, though. And to me, the filmmaker doesn't. To me, I watch this and I go, it's just shenanigans and tomfoolery. Mm. I, I don't actually see, oh, I think this is a criticism of conspicuous consumption in America or whatever it is. I, I'm I'm not getting that. I just see buffoonery. I, I barely even see narrative arc. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Maybe it is with these open source projects, the kind of the, the curse... As I think the case is that the, the people who worked on this, well, I think necessarily weren't paid or weren't paid much to produce this thing or at all. The thing is that, well, financial motivation is always one thing. It it kind of gives you the rhythm. You have to show up and, and start working on a project every day. What I feel might be going wrong with all of these projects that never see the light of day here, here is that people just lack... They, they they lack that the rigid scheduling that you would otherwise you, you don't have that pressure maybe to go all the way and do it every they lack day the and discipline? stick to it the, the discipline thanks to do it why like, it's easy to do relatively easy to think of in terms of I'm gonna now make a one minute animated film with a bunch of dudes all over the world but doing a lot of them yeah that needs more organized behavior all right hero 2018 this is a 
showcase for the crease pencil feature in Blender 2.8. This was really well done. Uh, I like the grease pencil view of it, or style of it. I like the story. I thought it made me think of the harm of imperialism. It made me think of climate change. It made me think of how we view a lot of the problems that we have on this world as zero-sum and someone has to lose. Uh, but I don't I, I, I mean, who knows? I could be reading way too much into this. But it seemed like, obviously, they're both trying to get this little orb that powers their cities. But if you notice, whenever the orb in the very, very beginning is taken by what's seemingly our hero, and he puts it into the thing, and then it, you, you see that shot of like all the lights coming on in the city, whenever it's taken, you can still see the lights are on in the background of the city. Now, who knows? That could be a mistake, or it could be intentional that, hey, maybe we could share this thing and every every other day swap it back and forth, and then we power both our cities. Yeah, I liked this one. I really liked it. I didn't see any of those things that you just mentioned, and I thought this was, like, when you take into account the music and the kind of the presentation, I felt this was the weakest as far as in storytelling, maybe out of all of these, almost, in a sense that I felt that it was more like a showreel. Look at how cool our technology is, and that's about it. Well, I'm happy to report that you're wrong. Oh. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> my opinion says that you're wrong. <laughs> so then who's the hero in this situation? Me. Oh, God damn it! But I'm white. I'm used to being the hero. <laughs> and I'm black. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I, I I identify as Asian. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Henrik, you loved it. I'm in the happy medium. Uh, perhaps more closer to, to Zack, but once again, Hero is, is a film that, well, it, it closes itself off. Better than, than some examples on the list, like for example, HN 327. It it doesn't close itself off definitely. It, it ends with, with an open open note, but you can kind of see that the, the film's point may, might just be that the two characters are just tied into this endless loop where they just keep on stealing the same bloody orb and bringing it back into their respective cities, and it's just a continuation. So weird. So it's it's not completely open, le- left completely open. I did like how it was animated, even though I did pick up some of, of cut corners when it came to exactly how much animation you put into it. When the, the human characters, for example, were moving, really, really good animation, top-notch. Absolutely loved it. But then again, the film actually tries to use as much large objects in order to have to animate as little as possible. Like, for example, the, 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 there's that the, the whole airplane scene, which takes a huge chunk of the film, and airplane, yeah, you have like the moving moving rotors, uh, uh, yeah. But the airplane itself, it's like 
huge ass metal wings, huge ass hull. You can put a person inside the airplane, and then you don't have to animate like the eyes, the mouth, the legs, the arms, the torso, because the airplane itself is moving. And also, when when the the darker guy was falling through the air, I I did pick up similar type of tricks. Or, or same tricks that I have seen in this 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 uh, 2003 animated web series Broken Saints. Mm. So I did pick up on on the ways how technically they were cutting corners around exactly how much work they have to put into into animation. It didn't bother me. It didn't like break the film for me. But I I did notice those those. Like shortcuts taken. Um, when it comes to all, all of the topics that Zack found from the film, I found some of those, not not all of them. The film and the narrative very much plays with with the whole statement: uh, uh, one man's terrorist is an- another man's freedom fighter. That's what essentially is in in the core of here. Both mm-hmm. characters are the villains and the heroes of their respective cities. And there was also the, the technology versus the nature. So it is in, in on my list of, of Blender shorts. This one does land on the, the upper echelon of things. It's not like my favorite thing. It's not necessarily even in my top five. But altogether, yeah, I do think that Hero was pretty well done pretty solid animated short film i can't draw for the life of me but when i look at the colors and i look at it with this with this uneducated eyes i felt that there could be more pronounced color in the film maybe more flickering or change of colors when the frames change i felt that it was kind of subdued in that sense but of course maybe somebody listens to this and says that dude this is complete horseshit what are you talking about it's supposed to be the way it is yeah could be it's kind of like you would talk to like a wine taster well if you become a wine taster yourself you start to become experienced within those parameters you you have to learn what it is that is the the great wine super tasty wine the, the best wine in the world what kind of uh, qualities are expected from that and it's something that kind of everybody agrees on that it should should be roughly something like that. So it's kind of questionable if wine tasters or any given people, experts on their fields, could be said to be right. Even if you put like experienced wine tasters into a blind test, they, they might make like crazy mistakes there, so to speak. You give them like 10 euro wine and they say that that's, that's, that's the best, that, that's the $2,000 wine. So they might not be able to differentiate. But so, I mean... My my opinion is superior to the experts. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Especially when it comes to wine. <laughs> Especially. Well, spring 2019. One of the big ones from Blender. Zach, your thoughts? I think this is my favorite. Mm-hmm. No surprise. I think this is my number one. It's beautifully done. It's a beautiful story. There's a start, middle, and end. It's adventurous it's a little scary it's hopeful it's just it's magical and 
Yeah, I just, I fucking love this one. It's my favorite one. I, it's the one I watched the most. I think I watched it like four times. Oh, really? Okay. I remember seeing this before, maybe a couple of years before. And yeah, it's something that kind of I remembered for a long time. Colorful, pretty, imaginative. Yeah, the pl- plot is in, it's not very straightforward, really. Or you might want to check out some details on that on, on wherever you're reading the bio of the film. But yeah, it's about the spirits in the forest that are awakened. And then this young girl gets this... Uh, what? Help me out here. <laughs> she gets something that, that which she is able to control the spirits if she's in the possession of that thing. It's kind of a crossbreed between Stephen King's The Mist and and Gaia Theory. All right. I almost viewed it as though she is either the... Oh, gosh, what's it called when you're the the last of a long line? Loser. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Gosh, no! You're uh, when you're the last in a long line of you know, like of whomever, whomever. Um, Descendant. Yeah, you're. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't remember what the, the official name of that is, but anyway, that yeah, she's either the last of a, in a long line of the people that have this responsibility. Scion, that's the word. Mm. She's either this the, the the scion of this long line of people who this is your responsibility every year at the end of winter it's your responsibility to end winter and to send these winter beings away and you've got this sort of staff that sort of staff yeah that awakens that you hit on the stone to awaken one of these beings it gives you this little shard of itself and then through that you send them all away and just the ending when she comes back and you see there's thousands of these things. It's, I don't know, I just, I found it so beautiful as, you know, sometimes when you're in the middle of winter, I'm sure you guys can totally understand, um, it can feel like spring will never come. And, or you can turn that into an emotional thing and say when you're in the middle of a very hard time in your life and you think there's not going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, but you no, know, all things will end. Winter will end. Whatever scenario you're going through will end, and light and spring eventually does come. Because, and we know that because it always has. Spring has always come for thousands of years, and until the you know we fuck ourselves over enough with climate change, it will continue to do so. Yeah, it wasn't so lightweight movie when I was thinking what's going to happen to the happen to the dog. I was afraid of after after seeing a couple of these other movies. I was afraid that the dog would be crushed under these trees and a complete... none of these films would ever kill that dog. Hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe in Sprite Fright. Yeah. 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 <sighs> what am I gonna do with this church? You can Won't join you go... it. I was gonna say go pray there. Yeah. <laughs> How can you even meditate or 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 uh, pray or do anything there? Oh my God. You have to reinterpret the sounds of the bell as a positive thing. Think of it as every time the bells ring, it's an angel coming to say hello. Oh, well, if you put it like that. It, it's just a b- bit more challenge for your meditation. I mean, Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a pretty movie, fantasy movie. One of the longer ones, about 15 minutes, yeah. Good stuff. Very advanced now compared to the early ones. 2019 film. All right, uh, Casper from 2021. And... 
this would be our first here, is it? That is not related to Blender Foundation or Slash Institute, whatever. This is made by, I believe, just one guy. And to, to be honest, this is kind of the easiest animation that you can pull off in 3D animation. You make ball-shaped shapes and you do stuff with them. Let them roll or... I mean, when you said this was a one-guy thing, the first thing that came to mind was, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's kind of cute. Um, it looks good, but... Uh, yeah. it, it, it looks good once, once the textures finally pop in <laughs> and nothing is, is clipping and nothing is moving. Yeah, there was some weird artifact or something was going on in the final final render. There was like some object appearing in one frame and then the camera switch, switches and it disappears. Yeah, yeah. and you, you notice that, the, for example, the textures sometimes they come with, with a delay. Uh -huh. That there's a smooth surface and all of a sudden the, the textures pop in. Yeah. Which is also kind of a, a typical rendering rendering thing. But of course, for a one-man show, if you're going to do anything longer than one minute, then I, I think this is the way to go. Just draw balls. <laughs> Fight with balls. But it wasn't bad. No. It, it was somewhat Wally-esque. Uh, a simple, kind of, actually pretty open-ended, ended short narrative about a ball-shaped robot who finds something that he already has like 15 of them whatever those those orange balls were supposed to be yeah they at times almost operated or the one orange ball at times almost operated like it would have some type of intellect i don't know if it ha did or why it even was the, the film kind of does not explain itself it's kind of like a, a snippet from from Wally. Without Pixar's mm -hmm. financial backing and all the careful attention paid to the technical details, which does play or does show up, for example, in in the objects clipping through each other or or the texture popping. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, basically it's a almost like a love story between orange-looking ball or something and a ball-looking robot, ball-shaped robot. So. Jolly Adu, Zach will get that. Is f fun for fun for two, <laughs> something like that. Not fo <laughs> Folly Adu, but Jolly Adu. Ha ha ha. Je besoin de améliorer mon français. Je suis un billet du métro. Hey, that's very useful. <laughs> All right, so bye bye, Casper. I guess. Bye-bye. Relic 2021. One of those that is also not a Blender movie. And again, I would I would say that that shows... The, the camera shows us a lot of shots where it's just kind of static. There are lighting effects, uh, maybe some artifacts, uh, small little particles flying here and there, but mostly everything is still. Just camera going through a space. What do you think, guys? This is the one that's most obviously not from Blender Foundation and most obviously like one man or a small group project. We have be have seen the the uh, resurgence 
of, of this type of animation projects in in the past years the most notable that i i can mention perhaps is is the astartes project which like tonally is is very close to to relic uh you have a direct spaceship there's something ominous you don't actually know what it is the film does not try to explain to you what it is there is something that has happened or is happening or will happen and unlike unlike with with for example astartes you don't need to have like like warhammer 40k rule book or lore book with you to actually decipher what the fuck is actually going on but the downside of that is that you actually can't decipher what the hell is going on it's mostly like you already mentioned it's it's static shots of a derelict spaceship with uh, with a atmospheric or, or tonal hint that something bad did happen or is happening perhaps will happen yeah is the spaceship about to explode or something like this in the last shot we barely can see that there's a door opening so maybe somebody's coming Somebody taking over? Who knows? This was... I, I liked this one's sort of feel. It, it felt very Prometheus, very alien, very Ridley Scott. Hmm. But it was... You know, the, you know, this was almost just like a, like a teaser trailer. Again. This yeah. wasn't a short film. It was a teaser trailer. Yeah, kind of like um, Prometheus itself. <laughs> I liked Prometheus. <laughs> so I, I I wish there would have been more, but uh, and you're right. I think in terms of the the filmmaking part of it's uh, you know very simple. You're right. It's it's a lot of static shots of just a camera moving. But that being said, the, the atmosphere of it I thought was I thought was pretty great, and I I, I just want to see what chapter two is. Yeah created by andrew p roberts if i understand so well done mr roberts let's get him on the podcast and uh he can tell us about part two yeah you know what we could do like a part two of blender movies somewhere along the way and get actually some guy who knows something about blender to talk about it unless you're already like oh my god no more blender movies maybe all right so um the iron woods from 2020 a robot kills squad patrols a nearby forest and finds something unexpected. And this is animated by Noah Zuarez and Victory Pictures Incorporated. And did win Vienna International Film Awards 2021. Alright, so nothing new under the sun, like idea-wise, but nicely executed. Robot saves a baby. I like the robot design. Um, nothing groundbreaking, but sort of classic standard um i like the one big eye um not wild on the design of the baby but <laughs> yeah I, I, th- I thought this was this was good it was a standard good yeah i thought it was very much standard standard yeah really hard to say anything about many of these movies like they are so following so many typical lines of thought when it comes to robots and storylines yeah and also they are so kind of so simple Mm -hmm. that there's not that much new ground to to uh, discover 
with them. This one also being one one example, you pretty much have a basic premise. It, it's the Skynet situation once again. Uh, last remnants of humanity. Somehow the one robot now reaches the end of, of Terminator 2 and learns to appreciate life and humanity and, and some shit and then bullets fire from AK kill robots that are made of steel because I don't know but but works reasons you had to like put in a hell of a lot more effort to take one T-800 in, in Terminator films kind of push over robots here but but yeah like story wise it's, it's extremely simple uh, once again deals with 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 somewhat similar topics as as Sintel, there's there's the the adoptive parenthood at the end once the robot becomes the protective of the child, and well that's that's about it. That's that's about it. Sprite Fright 2021. All right, so we get to the the violence Smurfs, so to speak, violent sprites of the forest. This starts off as some kind of a sweet environmentally aware film, kind of a comedy film, something lighthearted, and then it turns pretty dark after that. But of course, Henrik, you know, I know, it's not so dark. You've seen better. I actually, honestly, I've seen darker. This was... I, I do understand where, where where the argument for the darkness comes from. Yes, people do get killed here, but... All the kills are really lightweight. They are all played in comedic mad matter, and the, the kind of the, the film itself operates on on tested and true logic and uh, logic and rules. The group of people go to the woods. They find something there that, at first glance, looks like sweet and harmless. Turns out there's a sinister secret behind all of it. And it, it even goes as far as, as using the sword as a repellent of, of evil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. nothing groundbreaking. In fact, actually very much 2021, to a point where this one also plays with the, the 80s nostalgia, having 80s things, because, hey, you recognize those... That there's the boombox and and C cassettes, but overall, yeah, yeah, it's 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 perfectly solid um, short film about people who go into the woods and get murdered one by one by weird mushroom folk. Yeah, um, I thought it was cute. I thought it was um, a nice sort of twisted take on the Smurfs. I, I do think that there there's probably something... If I, if I went back and watched it maybe five times in a row, I would probably find some other like hidden meanings in there. Maybe something along the lines of like even those who espouse the ideals of being eco-friendly eventually will turn to hurt the environment. Mm. What's you know that that Latin phrase which I can't say in Latin, but it's that which nourishes you also kills you. 
there could be something like that in there. But even if I'm way too far into that, uh, it's still just, I think, a nice little twisted version of the Smurfs, which I'm always here for. Yeah, I appreciated some small moments. For example, the one of the camper who pees into the forest. He, oh, God. Yeah, it's it's either him or, or his buddy who makes the notion that this girl couldn't survive in the forest for five minutes, and then he's the, the final girl and outlives them all. Oh, I thought you were just going to say the guy who pees in the forest, and then they all pee. He drowns in the pee of all these things. That was great as well. Oh, that was great. Disgusting, but great. Pretty colors. I appreciate the colors. And I, I kind of, it was kind of surprising that they took this kind of a twist, dark twist in the movie. I, I wasn't expecting it from Blender. But it's nice to see. And uh, the foul language, which make it, makes it something like not really proper for kids, perhaps, or extremely proper for kids, you decide. But... It's proper for kids. <laughs> well, well, well. The last one of the evening would be the drink from 2021 again, from November 3rd, so it's very fresh movie. Henrik, I guess, liked it. Yeah, this one falls into the same kind of trick category as with, with Tears of Steel. Like trying to, to combine the real world and uh, the blender thing. And not, nothing like... For example, narratively groundbreaking, it's just like one extremely short, quick idea. What if if robots, but they would be lazy, no good for uh, no gooders, uh, lazy, good for nothings, like like we. And what if if robot would run out of well booze in in here, motor oil, drink. But I I did upload the the technical qualities here and um, same way as as with with Tears of Steel I did see that this one kind of once again pushing the boundaries when it came technically into the question what you can actually do with Blender like the the animation films they all showcases you can do animation with Blender yeah. Yeah, and this one kind of showcases that you, you can, once again, utilize Blender in order to, to have a CGI and create photorealistic CGI. And I did kind of like the, the, the joke that the film had, that you, you have the hyper-advanced robots, but they are just lazy bums, or that the, the, the society that they create is nothing but the same society that we have with the exact same behavior patterns. Yeah, this is one of these few on the list that is not made by Blender. No, well, but it's made with Blender. This one created by William Landgren. So thanks for this one. Mm, yeah, technically it's nice. It's again in this robot territory, which is not entirely <laughs> appealing to me. But yeah, simple idea, simple execution, and it's done. This was maybe one of the one of the, one of the least um inspiring for me i sort of liked the oh, what you call it the blending did it uh the the blending of photorealistic or maybe even not even photorealistic but actual live action and the the animation i thought it looked great there was one part that it did not look so great when he's trying to get out of the pool but i actually thought that this was to me i think this robot 
is one of many robots in a sort of post-apocalyptic after Skynet when all the robots take over and all the humans are dead. And he goes and just commandeers this house up in the Hollywood Hills and is just bored now because it's like, all right, well, we killed all the humans because everything's very sort of run down in, in the house and there's cobwebs everywhere. Um, and the kitchen, I mean, the, the refrigerator is full of like old food that's all dusty and gross, except for the motor oil. Uh, and then when he goes to the store, even the, the motor oil sitting on the shelf is old and crusty. And we never see another person. We never see another robot or human. So it may, I, may, I, I, I could be reading into this. I could be having my own little fantasy world over here. But I, I, it made me think that it was, this is the life, the, the bored life you get after you take over all of humanity. I'm pretty impressed that if this was really made by one guy in two months, because he writes in the YouTube description that after a little more than two months of work, here it finally is. Maybe it's nothing fancy for the people who understand Blender, but for me, this is just magic. He's Swedish. Yeah, I suppose so. Let's get him on the show. I'm sorry. He's 15. F sorry? Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, fuck this guy. And I say that <laughs> with, the, with the utmost respect, William Landgren, if you're listening to this. Holy shitballs. Respect. Mad respect. Mad respect, bruh. Mad respect. Let's get him on the show. By all means. It's just that, you know, we would be overrun quality-wise. We would... We, the, the teachers would become the students. Yeah, precisely. Mm -hmm. Which is good. Yeah, it's not necessarily a bad situation. All right. Uh, despite <laughs> hell of a lot of failures, there actually is some feature films out there made with Blender, at least in a very large part with Blender. Those are, for example, Next Gen and I Lost My Body, and both are available on Netflix, so if you're interested. I Lost My Body is uh, pretty pretty interesting and... There can be so many takes on that. What the hell is going on in that film? Very artistic, once again. Has this been inspiring, guys? Are you ready to learn Blender now? Hell no. Not really, no. What? I do have to learn Blender anyhow, and these kind of did not make the case pro or against that task. This made me learn that this is really hard, and I don't want to engage. Um... Yeah, so I mean, this is kind of super motivating, at least for somebody who really doesn't still know how the hell animation is done properly. Um, it's really inspiring, but kind of intimidating that you have to do. These worlds are so full of detail, and when the hell do you know when you're finished? That would be my main problem, because I typically I try to be very... What the fuck is wrong with my English today? Typically, I try to be very thorough and completionist and perfectionist with what I do. And if I would start a 3D, oh boy, I would start one map and then probably it would never get finished. And I would... Kari? Yeah. Um, I think this would be the the appropriate time to tell you the the phrase that I heard long ago, which is that when an artist is working on their art, they don't finish. They just stop. Yeah, and this is actually the healthy way out. Like, as um, 
as said before somewhere, it's great that that if, if you start a project of any magnitude, you just have to push the the stop button and otherwise you will never learn anything. You will just keep uh, improving and improving and improving, but you're not necessarily learning any new large important skills. You just you stagnate there. So would it be quickies or slow is whatever they're called today? Well, why not? Might take some doing seeing exactly how long the list is. These are quickies, you know. So special mention for an actor goes to Blender. <laughs> Bl- Blender was great. <laughs> great performance. Nice one. Creative. Okay, I uh, I'll just go with more traditional Eric Peterson as the elder sprite, aka the old geezer from Sprite Fright. Nice performance there. What was that line? Get him bitches. Something, something. Uh, oh my god, this is so long. Do I have to read it? Bring to attention some very small role in the film that you found somehow worth highlighting for whatever reason. Could be even an extra on screen for half a second. Performance could be great, horrible, fun, odd, etc. Texture mapping. Ooh. We really need to work on the length of these questions. Yeah, yeah I'll, sec- I'll second the texture mapping. Uh, Textures are like wicked hard. Yeah. Well, whoever played the dog in spring, some solid barking right there. Oh, thank God they didn't kill the dog. What resonated with you the most or least? For me, what resonated with me was this shit is hard. This shit is wicked hard, as they would say here in Boston. It's wicked hard. For me, it's well, it was the the processing power of the of the computer, the table PC. You can't actually do these on Mac. <laughs> They used uh, render farming with Max. Well, and and you can see that in Casper. <laughs> I refuse to speak when that is going on. Like, is this some kind of a Muslim country? There's so many of these prayer calls that. Oh my god. <laughs> um. So for me, it would be the artistic liberties that we still see here and can be taken in these movies versus some some big boys, Pixar, etc. Like seeing this suicidal cursing sheep or killer smurfs or these absurdist existential questions, stories. Yeah, and it's great that you can keep on editing and raping these films to your heart content any way you want. They're open, so open your heart. Um, this also kind of allows you to, to play clips from the movies in our show without fear of the retaliation from the big movie companies. So I think we're going to use a hell of a lot of clips here in one adjective how would you describe the films awesome artistic uh, because they mm, managed to be that loony ba- um um ballsy fair statement favorite quote i will go with the the world's changed celia maybe we can too i'm going to go um from the male character in uh, Glass Half. <laughs> well played. Henrik, I'm waiting for your... For oh, I actually have nothing to offer you guys. Just give some kind of a voice of, of the lady in spring. <laughs> We're fine. Okay. That yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the films have any staying power legacy? Will anyone remember these in a few years? I think no, only because these are just going to keep getting better and better. And 
what a single person can do at, you know, at home in their mom's basement is just going to get to the same that ILM can do. <laughs> I I think these one will have or at least some of these will have, not not all of them. There are some that will be remembered for their technical qualities or something that they did show technicality wise, like Tears of Steel and Drink, which most likely will be looked back upon like like the moments that showcase you that you can fuse fuse Blender and live action. Uh, some most likely will be remembered because of their story, like Sintel and and Spring, and some might be remembered in their all together performance, like technicality and and story together, like for example, a Sprite Fright. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think people will really remember this, except of course in some three D circles. Three D people might remember Elephant Stream because it was the first one and. Many of these are kind of showreels, tech tests, sort of advertisements. So, but that's okay, of course. Uh, some of these are worth revisiting, in my opinion. Which did did Zach re- respond to this question? Yep. Yeah. No, I I think we'll we'll move past them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this naturally brings me to the question: Put the films in order of preference. <laughs> Enjoy. I I don't I don't think I could. I'm gonna go with Drink, Tears of Steel, both of those because they technically pushed, in my opinion, the, the ball the far- furthest. Then there is Sinzel, uh, thanks to its story, Elephant's Dream. I really like the, the abstract and the dream likeness, likeness of, of the film, even though it doesn't completely work as a, as a like, movie. Sprite Fright, Spring... Hero, Agent 327, Cosmos Alarm Casper, Ironwood, Glass Half, Caminandes, Relic, Big Buck Bunny, and Daily Dweeps would be the last on my list. In my case, it would be Spring, Sprite Fright, Caminandes, Big Buck Bunny, Elephant Stream, Sintel, Agent, Cosmos Landromat, The Ironwoods, The Daily Dweeps, Glass Half, Tears of Steel, The Drink, Hero, Relic, Casper. Well, 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 complete the sentence, please. You really know you're watching Blender films when... Dot, dot, dot. When you're watching a Pixar film with not quite Pixar-level ability, and it only lasts two and a half minutes. Oh, you really know you're watching Blender movies when animation can be allowed to have fun again, and these are straight from the heart. You really know you're watching Blender films when, when in the middle of starting a passionate sex act, you can be happy to notice that the textures in your penis popped in just during the last minute. Thank God. Okay, uh, the questions here in this million dollar section would be, did you like the films? Would you recommend the films? Would you watch these films again? I liked some of them. I will watch some of them again. I will recommend some of them. I would say the ones that I will watch again and that I will recommend would be Spring, Cosmos Laundromat, Potentially Hero. Those are the ones that I liked the most, the ones I will watch again and probably share with others. All right. Would I watch these films again? 
it's gonna get kind of detailed here. Well, simple, but still. Elephant Stream, no. Big Buck, no. Sintel, no. Tears of Steel, no. Caminandes, yes. Cosmos, no. Glass Half, no. Agent, no. Daylit Weeps, no. Hero, no. Spring, yes. Casper, no. Relic, no. Ironwoods, no. Sprite Fright, yes. The Drink, no. But would I recommend these films? Elephant Stream, yes. Big Buck Bunny, yes. Sintel, yes. Tears of Steel, no. Caminandes, absolutely. Cosmos Laundromat, no. Glass Half, no. Agent, yes. The Daylit Weeps, no. Hero, no. Spring, yes. Casper, no. Relic, no. Ironwoods, no. Sprite Fright, absolutely. The Drink, no. So yeah, um, this is... This would you recommend the films list is absolutely identical to did I like the films? Henrik. I liked some of these. Not not all of them. Some were re- real darts for me, especially the, the later part of my list. So like, like Daily Creeps and Big Buck Bunny and Relic and Caminandes, Glass Half, which just didn't really do anything for me. Would I watch these films again? Some of them, yes. Um, these would be Drink, Tears of Steel, Sintel, Elephant's Dream, Sprite Fright, yeah, why not? Spring, Hero, perhaps even even Cosmos Laundromat. And when it comes to, to actually recommending these movies, I would recommend most of them. Not necessarily because, well, all of them are are anything, like, unforgettable. The, the, the first ones from my recommendations, which are the same, the same ones that I would watch again, those I, I strongly do recommend, because I, I think that there's enough something there to see. Story-wise, Cosmos Laundromat, perhaps notwithstanding, but I would recommend Cosmos Laundromat based on... Based on the the overall idea that the short kind of promises to you, even though it does not deliver, it's it's kind of like you you can watch it and perhaps then from that point onward start to formulate your own idea where the where the adventure could go into, and I don't know perhaps continue the story in in form of fan fiction or comic book or something like that. Agent uh, 327, I I would recommend perhaps as a as a quick one of haha funny agent moment and and more so also as a as a technical set piece. Casper uh, would also be like you know if, if you liked Wally, you wanna see something quick in 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 similar type of tone. Casper wouldn't be a bad pet. Ironwoods and Glass Half, it's a, it's a quick concept, not necessarily a recommendation for me for those two. Ironwoods could go as a quick action set piece moment thing, if you have like like three minutes to kill. The same goes with, with Caminandes and, and Relic. Uh, Relic especially is something that you can check it out, even though it doesn't really do anything story-wise, but... Like Zach mentioned, there is a good tone. And if you are interested in, in seeing how tone can be created with empty spaces, with, with, with extremely, with almost with zero movement, you know, yeah, yeah, Relic can work as an example of that. Big Buck Bunny and David Weeps. Uh, those I would 
count in as as skippable the most skippable films from my list don't check out those right okay maybe i need to expand a little bit on those things i just ran through the list just like that but um agent 327 i recommend because i think it was kind of nice to choose the the setting that it did choose like the barbershop and using the items in the barbershop and fighting with those items well not nothing revolutionary but i think it was uh, nicely done daily dweeps like said there's nothing much there and kind of would it be nice to see the actual series uh, that they never got to? And I wouldn't recommend Cosmos Laundromat because it also is an unfinished story. But technically, beautiful, and I did like elements of it. Uh, yeah, that's it. So sadly, the films that were made by a few ordinary people who have massive talent in 3D, though, they were unfortunately the ones that I did not recommend and... That kind of goes to show the power you have with money and multiple people on a project like this. So open source, but yeah, still you need the resources to, I guess, amaze me. But then again, we have Caminandes, which I absolutely loved. And there is not a lot of people involved there as, I, as far as I know. All right. Uh, yeah, dear listener, would you recommend the films? Let us know maybe on our social media pages. Did you guys have anything to add? At this point, I think I'm good. Hmm. Same here. So it's time to throw our lab coats into the blender. But what did you think of this episode? Leave us a message on the social media or Facebook as the Flick Lab podcast or on Twitter. You can also find us at theflicklab.com. And you can email us, you know, lab at theflicklab.com. And you do, and you can, and you should be able to. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our ratings and rankings. And yes, we have started a Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash theflicklab to support us over, over there. Or don't. I'm not your mama, so do what you want. But new episodes will be there several days in advance. Plus bonus content only for Patreon. So. And I've been Kari. And you can follow me with binoculars across the street, I guess. I'm doing it right now. And <laughs> And yes, for some reason, I'm still on Twitter. What about you, Zach? You can follow me on Twitter at ZacharyPen48. And you and do have a link tree. Could, and I do have a link tree as well, which link.linktree.e slash ZacharyPen48. Um, and you can also follow me in person. I'm across the alley in Malaga looking at Kari right now. Right. And Henrik, where can people find you? And I'm nowhere, because I keep clipping through the walls. Oof. <laughs> Creepy. Our theme music was created by Nick Rivell. And dear listeners, unfortunately, this was the last episode of Zachary Penn in the Fully Clap podcast. <laughs> no tears. <laughs> uh, I just, I want there to be some sort of musical interlude now of some really sad, sappy song. Perhaps that Sarah McLaughlin, I will remember you, or something. I'll be happy to do it if you pay the royalties, Zach. Oh, that's true. Goddamn royalty. You know, I think you can do like three seconds or something, or two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Before the copyright kicks in. Well, we, we just quickly put some, like, dubstep loop on, on top of it.
that's true. Or just use something that's uh, royalty-free, like some old classical something-something. Just use some Korean music. They don't care about copyright, so there you oh, go. Oh, that works. Sure. Copyright. So, Zach, what the hell is going on? Why are you leaving us, you motherfucker? I'm leaving this abusive relationship because <laughs> I d- finally decided that I'm I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and I'm worth it. Um, so no, I uh, I'm I'm sadly begrudgingly leaving to go start my own podcast with my best friend who I went to grad school with and we studied public policy and law. And we're going to start a podcast that's about that. Uh, we're also both queer, so we're going to talk about news and politics in primarily American news and politics, but also international politics. Uh, but we're going to do it with a gay twist. And in fact, that's what we call the, the show. The show's called With a Gay Twist. So that's where I'll be. All right. I know, Zach, I'm not gay enough, so it didn't work for you. I know it's, I'm too straight. Yeah, I, on the other hand, I'm not. Yeah, I thought maybe I could get Henrik over onto the side, but it it, it, it didn't work. I think Henrik's so good-looking that it actually <laughs> makes fellow gay men feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it's the charm of a looking-like overrun rodent. <laughs> it's hard to compete with that. You know, when you've got someone who looks like Brad Pitt mixed with... Uh, with uh, Methamphetamine. Uh, okay yeah with methamphetamine yeah sure you know it's difficult to work with on a daily basis but yeah in in all seriousness it is like curry curry once said that two podcasts it just is too much like you you can't we all always dream that yeah, 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 we're going to have two or three podcasts that, <laughs> that we run simultaneously and it's never going to work. You can only only do like one podcast or the work will start to suffer. Well, the problem is there's a thing called capitalism and it makes it very difficult to work a 40 hour a week job and then also have multiple podcasts going. So perhaps one day in the future, either because of the fall of capitalism or hell because of the fall of the American democracy, we uh, I can just do podcasts for a living and then I can do like three, four at a time. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like you know, like Dirty Harris said it in Magnum Force. A man man has to know his limitations. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's something that you're passionate about and you have the similar time zones to record the episode and maybe less background research is, is, is needed. I'm not sure, but I think that's what you said. It can allow you to do like a weekly episode. And yeah, that's cool. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But still, of course, I'm disappointed I can't hide that. But yeah, we'll just have to go on without you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not disappointed. I, I am sad. I admit that much, but not disappointed. In fact, I'm somewhat happy for you <laughs> for fa- figuring out what you actually want to do and, you know, finding mm. that venue. I appreciate that. And again, I am totally back for coming back as your special American correspondent. Anytime you want to watch an American flick and you're like, this is so fucking stupid. We Let's get an American on to talk about how fucking stupid this American film is. <laughs> I am down. The next time we want to rehash is is Dirty Harry a fascist? Spoiler alert, yes, he is. Uh, I'm back. You know what, Zach? 
if you we, we will invite you back as a guest after three years <laughs> if your podcast is still running at that point. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, just, just you know, take take it from a word of experience that me and Kari both can share. Uh, the first seven episodes are absolutely the worst. There is also the effect known as the the seven episode death valley, or what was the the name yeah. of it? Yeah, a lot of podcasts die after the first seven episodes. So whatever you do, you know, bite your teeth and just fight through that one. And it's gonna be like like the first year is gonna be a tough going. You are figuring out the release schedule. You are figuring out the rhythm. You are figuring out like million different things. But if you fight it through, it 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 won't become roses at any point at least in my experience it, it will always be a struggle there will always be problems you have to face and figure out but you get used to it so you're saying it's sort of like it's like having sex the first time's <laughs> terrible the second time's still terrible but maybe a little bit better and then after seven times you sort of get it figured out yeah and then you realize that it's mostly pointless yeah <laughs> Well, if it it has, uh, I mean, I'm. It would be a dream for for the podcast to have anywhere close to the success that you guys have here, going on success. for three years. That's, <laughs> that is, that is success right there. You're doing this for three years. That's, that, that's wild. You know, without commitment, it speaks to commitment. <laughs> but yeah, good luck with your podcast, man. Sincerely. I appreciate yeah. it. And best of luck continuing with the Flick Lab. It, uh, it, uh, it is in two sets of very capable hands, obviously, because it's been going for three years. Uh, and uh, I look forward to continue to listen. It's, uh, it's still on my podcast app. I'm still downloading that shit every other week. <laughs> I'm also down for because the, the one movie we never got to talk about was my all-time favorite movie of all time. But yeah, I said all-time twice there. And that's... Robert Zemeckis's contact with Jodie mm. Foster. So if you can ever parlay that into an episode, I don't know, you're doing world, a world cinema look at different countries looking at first contact with aliens or something. Who knows? Always yeah. down to talk about that. Cool. Always, always a lot of gratitude for what we did during the six months and all the best of you, for you, Zach. And I'm sure we'll be talking again at some point. We 100% will. Perfect. With that said... On with the new tricks. It's gonna be Taiwanese new wave in the next two weeks. So see you in a fortnight. To keep this on movie quotes to Zach and to to all our listeners, we will not walk in fear of one another. Good night and good luck, man. Bye, girl. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs> you did not just say bye girl bye oh my god I love it <laughs>
Ding dong. Couple more, please. Ding, Ding dong, the witch is dead. I know what we are gonna call that gay erotica 3D film. What? The Large Hardon Collider. <laughs> but hardons don't collide. That. I mean, unless you're docking.